Well, it's an honor to be here. Uh, Deborah and I have been excited about this for ever since we knew that we were going to get to come here. Uh, it's, uh, it's an honor, really, because we honor what you guys are doing here in this community. It's amazing. And uh, we pray for you, talk about you, uh, and uh, we're just glad to be here. So I want, to, uh, I want to remind you of a movie that came out. You may have seen it a couple of years ago. Paul, you may have seen it. It's called uh, The Imitation Game. It was about uh, breaking the, uh, the code that the Nazis had, the Enigma Code, during World War II. Once that code was broken, the Allies could figure out a lot of what the, uh, the plans of the Nazis before they did it. And uh, it actually helped the Allies to win the war. It was, it was instrumental. And the guy uh, that the movie was about was a man named Alan Turing. And uh, <clears throat> he used, uh, his, his method was, initi- was uh, imitation. He wanted to find out how the Nazis were, were making this code. And he said, if we can imitate it, then we can figure out eventually what they're saying. And we can actually build our own machine that will imitate their machine. And in doing so, we'll be able to find out what they're saying, what their plans are, and we can defeat them that way. And it's, it's a really good movie. Um, but uh, the test that Turing came up with was eventually part of what is now called artificial intelligence. And it had to do with a test that would be between a machine and a man. And another man would know he's being tested you know, to figure out, is that a machine or a man? And they would use text prompts. They wouldn't use real words. But this is in 1950, five years after World War II ended. But the, this, is, this is what the movie was named after, the imitation game. And the test was, can a man determine through these text prompts whether he's talking to a machine or to a man? And, of course, uh, the machine won if if uh, the guy on the other side thought he was talking to a man. And I thought, you know, that's kind of like us. I mean, if you, if you make the, the man as uh, God and us as the machine who's trying to imitate what the real thing is, can the world see that uh, we're imitating something authentic? Paul said, um, he said, be imitators of God as beloved children. Be imitators of God. And um, thank you very much. These are my notes. <laughs> I was going to read it off of here, but now I don't have to. This is Ephesians uh, 5, I think 1. Therefore be imitators of God as much love children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. And then in 1 Corinthians 1.11, Paul also says, be imitators of me. And it wasn't a boast. He wasn't being proud or arrogant. Be imitators of me as I also imitate Christ. Follow me. He's saying, I'm leading. I'm, I'm, I'm following, but I'm also going somewhere. And if you imitate me, I'm imitating Christ. And together, the world might be able to see something that's authentic that they didn't know about. Reflected in us, simply because we're imitators. We're not the real thing. We're not God. But 
God is in us. Uh, so C.S. Lewis talked about play acting. Uh, one thing that was in particular, he said, you know, we're told to love our neighbors. And uh, sometimes that's not easy. You, we're called to love, and I think a lot of us will go, well, yeah, I love my neighbor, but I just don't really like my neighbor. Or, and, and it's easy to confuse the two. But what C.S. Lewis said about that is just as little boys pretend to be toy soldiers and maybe little girls pretend to be nurses or whatever, um, we should pretend, even if we don't feel like we love our neighbor, we should pretend to love them. We should act as though we love them. And if we do that enough, eventually we might actually begin to really love them because we're imitating the, uh, the way that Christ would be towards them. It's a new way of thinking. And if you think about your own children, how many have children in here? How many here were once a child? That's all of us. Uh, we grew by imitating. We saw things, both good and bad, that we imitated. And, you know, at first, that's not you at all, necessarily. You saw something, you went, well, that's kind of cool. I want to try that, or I want to, you know, I want to be like that. And especially with your parents, something amazing about them. I, I want to be like him. And you might not even consciously think that, but you're beginning to imitate from a young age those things and those patterns, those words, those thoughts, those actions that you see. You, you imitate it. And that's not really who you are right then, but if you imitate it long enough, that becomes a seed that grows in your heart that becomes a part of who you are. And it actually becomes you after a while. You're not imitating anymore. You, those are your responses. Those are your actions. Those are your thoughts. But they were in there because you were imitating someone else. And I think about what we're called to do. Imitate, be imitators of God. Uh, well, have we, we don't see God, do we? No one has seen God. I mean, even the pictures that we have, and there's, you know, there's a growing number of pictures, none of them uh, are truly who God is. You know, it's, it's, it doesn't capture the body that Jesus walked in. It doesn't capture who God is now. God is spirit. And yet, we're called to imitate him. But we haven't seen him. Nobody has. There's a story of a little girl. She's six years old, and she's, she's always been real distracted. And she's in kind of the back row of art class, and she's just really super busy. They were given a task to just draw anything. And the teacher comes back there, and she says, well, wow, you're working really hard. What are you drawing? She said, I'm drawing a picture of God. And she said, well, honey, nobody's ever seen God. And she looks up, and she says, they will in a minute. <laughs> Nobody knows what God looks like, but they will in a minute. Well, we haven't seen him. And yet, on the other hand, we have. We have seen him. We see him through the word of God. We see him through the example of godly people all through the scriptures. And we see him reflected in people that we know who are following him. I mean, it's clear to see. Uh, there's some... And I want this to be interactive. If I forget some of these traits, call them out, because we all have things that have really impressed us. Um, love. You know, we see love, and we know that that comes from God. That's a picture of who God is. His mercy. 
is mercy in our lives, the mercy we begin to show to other people, the space we give them to fail and not try to just, you know, hammer them when they fail, knowing that we do too. The mercy of God, purity. None of us were born pure. Nobody taught us to lie. That's kind of sad, but it's true. And, uh, and yet, when we follow Christ, we begin to have this desire to be pure, to say no to ungodliness, to say no to those things within us that are still there and sometimes very much alive, and to say no. And to know that we have the power to say no is an amazing thing. I may have experienced that in your life just this past week or two weeks, that you have the power to say no to things that you know are not right, that maybe a few years ago or even a month ago, you did not have the power to say no to. That power comes from the Holy Spirit within us, the power to say no, to recognize it and say no. So purity, faithfulness, to be faithful, kindness, um, the strength that comes from him. All of these things are attributes of God, every good and perfect gift. And you could also say every good and perfect thing comes from God. Renouncing and rejecting darkness. Sometimes that's hard. In our culture, I mean, it's all around us. And sometimes it's very attractive. Sometimes it's very entertaining. And yet, we have to recognize it for what it is and, you know, not be religious, not be a prude, but be real and recognize what, uh, what the dangers are. You handle snakes, you can get bitten. So it's best just not to handle them. But so, so to recognize and renounce ungodliness and darkness. Compassion. You're going to India, that's a compassionate thing. It's, it's, it's the compassion of God. And there are people who have not been Christians that have shown compassion, but it reaches its limits. And, it, and you know, there is humanitarianism uh, that's based in humanism. And uh, it, it fails on a lot of different levels. But even those aspects of wanting to be kind to people, that comes from God. That's an aspect of his nature, not their own. Wisdom. Wow, we need wisdom in this day. We need a lot of wisdom to be able to tell our kids and our grandkids and ourselves, you know, how to live, how to walk, how to be in this day because it's, it's darker than ever. But his light shines brighter. You know, you've heard that old adage that the darker it is at night, the brighter the stars are. And I love it. I love astronomy. I love to go out in the middle of the night and just look at the stars and be overwhelmed by the display that God has put on. The heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens say, you know, these things didn't make themselves. I remember, oh gosh, 10 years ago on a PBS thing about astronomy, it had two, two, uh, two astronomers. They were, I mean, really heady. Uh, and through the course of what they were saying, you could, you could see that they didn't believe in God at all. And yet, they said, you know, we've studied this, and there seems to be patterns, and we don't know where these patterns came from. I mean, we know they're random, and yet there's patterns, and if you didn't know better, 
you would think that somebody made these patterns. They actually said that. <laughs> but they knew better, so how could it be? Uh, but to, to go and see these amazing wonders that God made for us in the night sky, uh, there's another thing that relates to that that I think is worth thinking about because maybe this is you. But a lot of people don't look at the sky at night. A lot of people, do, you know, they're, they don't bathe themselves in the natural world that God made for us. There's a guy out in, I think it's L.A., and part of his mission was to go and, and take people out from the city and take them to the desert places where at night they could just see, you know, millions upon millions of stars. And the interesting thing about that was that these people were people who were second and third generation city dwellers who had learned to never look up at night because they didn't see anything. They looked up at night and there was such light pollution, there was no point after a while of even looking up. And he would take them out into the, into the desert places where they would just see unbelievable amount of stars. And a lot of them would cry. And a lot of them would say, well, I'm, you know, I'm moving. <laughs> I'm moving out here because this is incredible. So anyway, if you don't do that, I encourage you, you know, take your kids, take, take yourself out at night, turn off the TV and find a dark place and let your eyes adjust and go out and just look at what God did. It's amazing, really amazing. So all of those, all of these things that I wrote down, love, mercy, purity, faithfulness, kindness, strength, renouncing and rejecting darkness, compassion, wisdom, joy, patience. That's a big one. <laughs> patience. I mean, I'm fine with it, but sometimes, no. no. Patience. That's, you know, we all need that in this life. Long-suffering. You know, to just say, I get it. You know that a really important passage in our marriage with Deborah and I is the one that says, dwell or live with one another with understanding. Understand one another. Understand what their pet peeves is. You are. Understand what gets under their skin. And don't do it. Unless you're just playing. But, you know, don't do it. Because we're to dwell with one another, live with one another with understanding. To know that well, this is how they are. I know that if I do this or I know if this is said, it's not going to be good. You know, not that they're bad. It's just how they are. So to dwell with one another with understanding is a, is a very good thing. Um, and peace. That's a really important thing. Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. The world doesn't know this peace. It wants it. Looks for it everywhere. But the world doesn't know this peace and can't have this peace except through him. He said, I leave you this peace. Paul said that the peace of Christ is a shield to us. It's our shield. It protects us. It's an amazing thing. So all these are attributes that come from God, and yet we haven't seen his face. You know, sometimes we might feel like we have in our worship times or in our prayer times, but this is how we see him. We see the real him. We don't see the exterior. You know, blessed are those who, Jesus said to Thomas, blessed are those who believe and haven't seen. They haven't seen me. You know, they, they, they didn't see this exterior shell that passes away. But they see the real me. The part of me that is me forever. Love, mercy, purity, faithfulness, kindness, strength. Compassion, wisdom, joy, 
patience, long-suffering, peace. And those are the things that we see in those who we seek to imitate. Maybe not all the time and all the people. You know, we have, we have, you all have leaders here who are great. I don't know them all. I know Paul. I'd like to know Paul more because I think he is following after Jesus with all of his heart. And so as he follows him more and more, there's a light that will shine brighter and brighter, and there are qualities within him that he wants to have that he knows he needs to have that will become brighter and purer and more easily seen for everyone to look at. Just like Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. I mean, you don't hear people saying that much. Hey, imitate me. What, like you're something good? No, imitate me. I'm, I'm following. And not just me. I'm sure he probably said, yeah, and Barnabas and, you know, imitate these people who are, find somebody who is following Christ. Find somebody who's making an impact in your life and let them be an influence. Let them be an influence in your life. Don't try to be them. That's where we fail. That's where we make mistakes. We try to copy their personality or we try to make jokes just like them and it falls flat because we're not them. But we're seeing something through their grid, the grid of their life, that makes us want to be like them. And the thing that we really want to be that's part of them is Jesus Christ, to be like him. But we honor those who lead us. We, you know, especially in this fellowship where you started, you know, here at downtown Albemarle. You weren't always here. You were, uh, were you in a storefront? Yeah. And just, just think what God has done with this fellowship through a vision, through passion, through a desire to see people come to know the God that, that Paul knows and the other leaders know. It's an amazing thing to see what's happened here and what's happening. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5.12, we ask you, brothers, to respect, and some translations say, or know. You could probably say both. To know those and respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. So we're to respect and to know those who labor among us, the people who pray for us, the people who lead us, people who teach us, people who counsel us, the people who speak into our lives and, and, uh, and have wisdom and, uh, you know, who love us in that way. Hebrews 13 says, remember those who rule over you, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life. And imitate their faith. So that word again, imitate. You know, Jesus said the kingdom of God is basically captured by children. Why? Children imitate. That's all they know to do. They haven't learned all these things. We learn through imitation. That's how we learn. That's how we grow. So we imitate. So imitate those leaders. Imitate those people who we see are going before us. And it might, be, it might not be in every area of our lives. It might just be in one area. It's like, man, you really got this down. And they'd probably say, no, I don't. But, you know, I've learned this or that. Imitate them. Let their influence be powerful in your life and in your heart. 
It's important. It's the way that we're supposed to walk. Um, it continues, obey your leaders. Well, that's a hard word for any American. Obey and be submissive. Mm-mm, red, white, and blue for everybody. You know, we're free and we're, you know, we can do our own thing and nobody rules over us. But we do have a kingdom that we live in and we are ruled. And that's easy to say, well, I obey Jesus, of course. I'm submissive to God. But when Paul is saying, or the writer of Hebrews says, remember those who rule over you. Obey your leaders and be submissive to them. Whew. That's tough. Because you instantly think of the abuses. There have been plenty. But there are also plenty of good examples. And we might not put it in those terms. It's, honestly, it's, isn't it? It's kind of hard to think of, you know, they rule over me. Paul rules over me. I'm supposed to be submissive to him. Um, but this is the reason why. For they watch out for your souls. They watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. In other words, be a joy to them. Don't be always just ragging them, you know. Well, I called you, and I know it was 2.30 in the morning, but you didn't pick up the phone, and you're supposed to be, you know, my preacher or whatever. Golly. I mean, some, some people really have it bad. Some pastors are just hammered because they're expected to be God, and they're not. They're just following him. You know, they're the imitation, <laughs> but, they're, but they're walking the real path. So uh, Paul knew, or again, whoever wrote Hebrews, he said, let them do so with joy. Don't drag them down. Be a joy to them because these people, they love you. They love your soul. They pray for you. They care for you. You know, they spend a lot of time uh, wondering what to say next, wondering where to go next, feeling out for God. God, where should we go? There are all these people. It's overwhelming sometimes. It's, it's more than I can bear sometimes. I know these are thoughts that come easily. Yeah. And yet, but God, hey, I'm, I'm good to go. I'm ready to go wherever you lead. Just, just speak to my heart. I'm going to do it. So just remember that, that you have... You have great people leading this fellowship. I mean, really and truly, you've got great people. And not every fellowship can say that. You know, we, again, we, we know of all the explosions that happen. Uh, we live in the Nashville area, and Nashville actually has more churches than any city in the United States, which probably means in the world. I don't know. But it's just amazing how many churches there are. Almost all of them have come off of a divisive split. You know, so it's been division, but it hasn't been the good kind of division. You know, well, we disagree with that. Boom, another church. And it's just incredible. And it continues to this day. It just continues. And, you know, I think ultimately you have to say that comes from somebody not imitating Christ the right way. And just not leading the right way. And the work of the enemy gets in there. In First Thessalonians, Paul says, what is our hope? or joy, or crown of boasting before our Lord at his coming. What is our hope, or our joy, or our, or our boasting? What can we boast in? What will we have hope in knowing that he, di- he knows that we did when Jesus returns? Is it not you? That's amazing. Is it not you? For you 
are our glory and joy. That is amazing. That's the heart of a true leader. That's the heart of somebody who's truly following and saying, imitate me, not trying to be anybody, but just say, this is the way. I found it. This is the way. That's what's amazing about all the religions in the world. Well, there must be a lot of different ways. No, the truth is there was no way. There was no way. We were all lost and completely without hope because of the judgment and the justice of God. But God made a way. He made one way. And so when we follow people who say, I've, I know this way and I'm walking this way, we are, we're doing something that will not only save us, but as we follow, other people will be brought to him through us. Because we can say that as well. We want to live lives I think we all want to live lives where we can say, we want to be able to say with confidence, follow me. I'm, I'm following Christ. You know, can we look in the mirror and, and say that? You know, can we look at people and say, I'm following. I mean, I really am with all my heart. So you follow me and we'll walk this walk together. There's something to look at and, you know, introspection and, and, uh, you know, having those times in front of the mirror, I do it sometimes. It's like, Gary Sadler, you better be following Jesus. Follow him. Follow him. I say that to myself. You can say it to me, too. You know, and we should say it to one another. Follow him. Don't, don't pull back. Follow him. It's hard. The road is narrow. But it's also the best. I had a friend who, Deborah and I had a friend who recently passed away, and he was amazing, super intelligent. I knew him since he was 16. We, we took French class together, mainly because there was a girl in French class that we liked, and we didn't know it. We were both after her, and as it turns out, it was just a couple of months, and she was from a real wealthy family, and she was shipped off to a, to a boarding school, never to be seen by us again. <laughs> so there we were stuck in French class, and... Uh, <laughs> Like that's what we got for that. There we were in French class, and we started talking about music, and neither one of us were Christians at the time. And uh, he was in the first band that I ever formed. And our band was called, of all things, Melchizedek. I don't know why we came up with that name, but that's what we came up with. And we kind of had a global business plan that once we became big and famous, then we would live for God because we knew we knew we were supposed to live for God. We just didn't. And the example we used, the excuse we used, was that, well, all of our friends believe in Jesus, but nobody, nobody's living any differently. So we used that as an excuse because we didn't see an example, or at least we didn't want to see. As it turns out, there was a lady, Mrs. Goforth, Joanne Goforth, who was amazing. And she, she was a Spanish teacher and once I did become a Christian, many years later, uh, we talked and she said, I'm so glad you and Mike, because my friend became a Christian too, who just passed away. I'm so glad you guys know the truth now. I prayed for you every day. Every day. Whew. But anyway, my friend, you know, I realized, well, he's not just in a better place. You know, you hear that. Oh, well, he's in a better place. Well, and that's true. But beyond that, no, he's in the best possible place. He's in the best possible position a person could be in. 
He died in the Lord. He died wanting to be an example. He died full of faith, full of cancer, but full of faith. And it's like, you know, I know this body's going to go away, but, but I know who holds me. It's basically, he didn't say those words, but he knew that. So anyway, you, you all have amazing leaders here, and, uh, and you have a great thing that God has done in your midst. He's, he's sent you people who love you and have led you and, will, and are committed to leading you and leading all, all the people you bring in, because that's it. You know, we're to be little Christ, Christians. That's, I think that's basically what that word means, like little Christ, all of us. Uh, and so we're all bringing people in to the fold. We're all following him. We're all bringing people in. And the growth and the responsibilities and, uh, you know, just all the things that can happen as a church grows, that weighs upon the shoulders of the people who lead you. So help them in that. Support them. Be a doer yourself if you're not. You know, I don't think the 80-20 rules in play here. It might be might be. You know, the 80-20 rule is, is uh, basically that in any church, 20% of the people do all the work. They're the ones who are busy. They're the ones who are there in the morning. They're getting it done. They're setting up chairs. They're bringing the food. They're doing whatever it takes because they, they, it's like, we want to keep this thing going. And in some, it's first nature. They were maybe raised that way. In others, they're trying to imitate them. They see somebody who's coming early and they're bringing whatever, and they go, you know, I know that's a good thing to do. And it's not in me, but I know it should be. So imitate it. Imitate those good qualities that, especially the ones that you know are not you. Find somebody who is doing that and copy them. Be a copycat until it becomes something real within you. The Spirit of God will help you do that. He helps us all. I mean, nobody's there. We all have, you know, feet of clay uh, but we serve a God who's faithful and compassionate and has mercy on us, and he knows. I mean, if anybody gets it, he gets it. You know, we pray to him, and he's like, I, know, I get it. You're forgiven. You're clean. You're free. Just pick yourself up and follow me. C.S. Lewis said, the only fatal sin is to not get, get up once you fall into the dirt, just to wallow in it. The only fatal thing is not to get up and go, Lord, Wash me again. Cleanse me. Give me feet that want to follow and help me. Um, so, a couple of things to remember. Your leaders are not God. Their wives would tell you that probably right away. But it, their children may not. You know, their children might be, yeah, I know my dad's not God, but he's pretty darn close. You know, and I love him and I'm following him. They're not God. They have feet of clay. They're imperfect. And yet God reflects through all of us. He reflects through mirrors that have all kinds of dirt and scratches. And we have all these things that we, you know, things we don't know about. We're made in the image of God. Uh, years ago, I was just like, Lord, what does that mean? We're made in your image. We don't look like you physically. So we're made like you. Wow. And uh, I remember one time I was saying, I give you all of my heart. And the Lord spoke to me just very clearly, not audibly, but just in my heart. And he said, you have no idea how big your heart is. You have no idea how much of you there is. 
we're made in his image. He's vast. He fills all the universe with himself and yet fit into the body of Christ on earth. You're made and we're made in that image. So when we say, Lord, I give you all my heart, he's saying, you have no idea how much is there. I, I have a lot of work to do in you, things you don't even see. You're, you're skating along the surface and there's a universe of you, you know, underneath all that that I've got to, I've got to hammer on. So let me. You know, so we have leaders who are, who are helping us to go that way. God uses imperfect things to show his glory and goodness. How many of us have known that God has used us, and even that week, we maybe had a major failing, or we had, you know, and yet God used us, and people might be going, wow, he's amazing, and you would go, no. Absolutely not. You know, if only you knew, <laughs> right? If only you knew. But God does know, and he's, uh, my, I guess it's my favorite scripture. I have several, but the one I cling to the most is that he who began a good work in you, he'll continue it. He'll complete it until the day of his return, basically is what it says. So the thought is, and the knowledge is that God, is, God won't leave you unfinished. We're all unfinished in here. We're under construction. That's no fun if you've ever done remodeling in your house. or you know, It's just dusty and dirty and walls are coming down. And you're like, I just want to, you know, relax. And... But we're under construction by someone who has promised to finish the work. He will complete the work he began in us. And that's both uh, encouraging and scary. Because there are things in us that we've held on to. There are things that we manage. I can, you know, I can still be me in this area. And again, C.S. Lewis said, no, let me see if I have this here. This is a really cool. Oh, I see what time it is, 1017. We have to end, don't we? Yeah, we. Huh? All righty, here we go. All right. <laughs> he says, Christ says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time and so much of your money and so much of your work. I want you. I have not come to torment your natural self, but to kill it. No half measures are any good. I don't want to cut off a branch here and a branch there. I want to have the whole tree down. I don't want to drill the tooth or crown it or stop it, but to pull it out. Hand over the whole natural self, all the desires which you think innocent, as well as the ones you think wicked, the whole outfit. <laughs> I will give you a new self instead. In fact, I will give you myself, my own will shall become yours. Well, that's amazing. Uh, he goes on. I mean, great, so many great things to say, but he wants us. I mean, he wants us to be completely his. That's why we're walking the walk. That's why we're going this direction is because we're being, we're being called to be something we're not. We're being made in, and hammered into somebody we're not naturally. And we can all look and go, I have a lot of wickedness in my heart. 
I have a lot of things that, that God has brought me through, and yet you look down and you see the darkness and go, well, God knows that. And yet he loves me, and he's committed to changing me. And, and he uses the leaders in our lives more than anybody else we can see. Those who lead us, and not just those who lead from the front, but there are, there are other examples in this church that you all have. There are people in your life that may not be a church leader, but they're leaders. They lead you in a way in Christ. They have that area in their life. You know, maybe it's somebody who's a great homemaker or somebody who is, is tidy or somebody who is very patient or kind to people when, when obviously they're, they're cruel to them. Copy them. Emulate them. Let, them. let that impact you in a huge way. Um, I want to do a song. Is this on here?
all I see myself to be. Let me be yours. Jesus, King of mercy, I will follow you forever. Savior, lift me for this time right now to you. We pray, Lord, that that we would be yours and that you would use those who lead us in our lives to, to bring us closer to that point where we can truly say every day, I just want to be yours, Lord. Of all the things that I might dream of, of all the things that I see myself or think myself to be, just want to be yours, Lord. Thank you for those who lead us in that path, who dare to say, you can do that. You can follow. You can change. Thank you for their lives, God. Thank you for who they are, their strengths, and their weaknesses, Lord. 
thank you that they know they have feet of clay. Thank you for that example that you used as a slave. I said, you walk the earth in these sandals and your feet get dirty, but I can make you clean, all of you. himself and uh, he did something only slave does and his disciples were appalled at that they're like Lord Lord you're not going to be a slave to me and Jesus said to Peter if I don't wash you you're clean but if you don't let me do this you don't have any part of me because this is the heart of who God is a servant somebody with a clean heart that still has feet that touch the earth every day and gets dusty and dirty. So Jesus took water and he filled, put it in a basin he washed his disciples' feet. And he said, do you know what I've done? And they said, yeah, Lord, we get it. And he said, then you do it too. So that's what's being done here.
stand up and just sing that one time through. Do the second verse. We are the broken. We are the broken. You are the healer. Jesus redeemer. Mighty to save. sing forever bowing before you blessing your name holy holy Lord God almighty worthy is the Lamb who was
we love you. We honor you. We honor those who work so faithfully here in this fellowship, in the gathering. And uh, we say go in peace and go fulfilled and, and filled by the Spirit. Go be lights in the dark world. In Jesus' name, amen.